Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Junkyard Dogcast. I'm Jordan Hill. With me, finally back from European vacation, got a little Chevy Chase action going on there. Kip Adams, Kip, how's it uh, feel being back in the states? Oh, it, it feels great. Um, luckily, the weather isn't too different here than what it was over there, but definitely a different time zone. I think six time zones to be exact. So, still adjusting to that, but. Uh, Man, uh, what a couple of weeks for me and then also just uh, for Georgia. I didn't realize when I booked this trip long ago that uh, it would take me away from uh, my most favorite time in the offseason, the NFL draft. And so the uh, the first round, I believe, started, it was uh, either 2 or 3 a.m. local time for me. And I knew with my Falcons picking eighth, I was just trying trying to stay awake for that but uh every single day of the draft i was having to wake up and kind of get caught up on what happened the day before but looked like a pretty good weekend for georgia i know that you guys have you and rusty probably already talked about that but uh not not a bad couple of days for for the georgia program i think it it might help out with recruiting moving forward not that kirby smart was really having any issues in that area to begin with for sure, and we can kind of talk about that. And I want to mention, too, that uh, our guy, Rusty Manziel, he's out on the road. You know, everybody's practicing. Georgia high schools are back in full swing, getting ready uh, for their spring games to end May. Uh, so that's where Rusty is this week. So, Kip, let's talk about the draft and so, sort of the aftermath and the fact that we're starting to see some of these contracts. I was looking at it before we got on here. Trayvon Walker, obviously that first pick. Four-year, $37.2 million. There's a, a team option for the fifth year. Obviously, we've seen some of the contract figures come out uh, for Jordan Davis. I think Devontae Wyatt, Quay Walker, some of those guys. Just what kind of ammunition does this sort of give Kirby Smart and the rest of the coaches having these guys? Obviously, the it was a big three-day stretch with the draft, with seeing so many guys, with seeing five Georgia players, five defenders taken in that first round. Um, just what does this sort of give uh, Georgia when it comes to recruiting and, and what they can sell some of these guys that they want uh, to step in and, and pick up where guys like Trayvon and, and Jordan Davis left off? Well, I know right off the top who, who it helps, and it's obviously uh, Trey Scott. Uh, Georgia was a program heading into that draft. It had been, uh, I believe, it, that would have been – if. It was eight years since a Georgia defensive lineman had been drafted, John Jenkins, by the Saints in 2013. So that was just part of something that that Georgia and Trey Scott, uh, that coaching staff, kind of had to recruit against. There's uh, other programs saying that Georgia's defense does not develop uh, defensive linemen for the NFL. And now you look, uh, three guys are going to make a, about – what 62 million on their rookie contracts between Jordan uh, Trayvon and, and Devonte Wyatt. So I don't think that is uh, going to be used against Georgia at all moving forward. I think Trey Scott now 
has that feather in his cap from recruiting, he's going to be able to go in and and point to uh, you know the different types of defensive linemen that he's put in the NFL now. Whether that's a nose guard, you know, whether that's a defensive end that that's worried about stats, or you know, whether you know a defensive tackle. Like I said, when you put three very different players into the first round and, and one draft, you're able to use that on, on the recruiting trails, and that's that. There are very few things that you can recruit against Georgia now. You can't say they can't win the big one. You can't say that Kirby Smart's not going to get over the hump against Alabama. And now you can't say that, you know, defensive linemen won't get drafted uh, out of Georgia's program. I think uh, there's only a couple items really left on on that list where maybe opposing recruiters can can say. And, and I think this season for Georgia could kind of chain things in that regard as far as just quarterback wide receiver, what that offense can, can actually do uh, as well as we've already seen what the defense can do. You hit on what I think was the big thing was the defensive line. And, you know, they kind of got help too with George Pickens going that second round. It seems like wide receiver. Sometimes that's a knock on Georgia. I mean, you had a guy go in the second round and you had him go to the Pittsburgh Steelers who we know, I mean, if they get a receiver, they, there's something special about that guy. And, and we've seen with George Pickens, obviously, that he's got the talent. So I think that was huge, too. But I got a big kick. I think it was Thursday night. It might have been Friday. You know, this was a few weeks ago when the draft was going on. Georgia was putting out, you know, graphics for current recruits, you know, saying basically you're next. And it's like, yeah, they, they, they've got them loaded up. And I'm sure that there's going to be more where that came from. Uh, just knowing, you know, these players – Obviously, not all of them are going to make it to the NFL, but that's the dream. I mean, these guys want to go pro. And, you know, if they've got Georgia on the radar and, and Georgia's looking at them, I mean, Georgia's got a, a lot of recent experience to say, if that is your dream, if that's what you want to go do, you know, we are sending guys to the league. And right now, I mean, if you look at last year, they did it, had more guys drafted than anybody else in the nation. Yeah, I think you, you look at that that 2008 recruiting class and you start talking about just the impact of recruiting in general. Uh, now out of 25 players in that class, you've had 14 drafted. I mean, two of those guys transferred. That's just part of it today. You know, you look at Justin Fields and Cade Mays, but you still have other guys from that class that could get drafted. And Chris Smith, you know, Kiaris Jackson, you got other guys that have transferred out, you know, um, you got Luke Ford, you got Otis Reese, Devon Wilson. Uh, so just that tells you that recruiting matters. And uh, the fact that Kirby Smart's just built this roster from top to bottom with guys who can probably be difference makers for almost any program in the country. And that, that just tells you that I don't think that what you saw in this draft, while you might not see 15 guys again, uh, and it could have been as many as 17, you know, Adam Anderson, Jermaine Johnson, those guys, you know, would have been drafted had they been playing for Georgia the, the entire season. Uh, I still think that double digit guys drafted, that's kind of going to be the bar moving forward just because of how well this roster is built. I want to make sure I mentioned too, while we were talking NFL, this had happened. I think it was late last night. Sony Michelle looks like he's going to the Miami Dolphins, obviously a big fan favorite for Georgia. I'm really interested to see what this fit looks like. You know, I think it's a good situation in the fact that there's really not a clear running back one in Miami. You got Kim Gaskins, who I think has done, or Miles Gaskin, who has done a very good job. Uh, I think he played at Washington back in the day. 
Um, but I, I kind of, uh, you know, the reports when Sony was looking to figure out where he wanted to go, it seemed like New Orleans and Miami. And I thought he made a lot of sense in that Saints offense as far as, you know, kind of being that number two behind Kamara. Um, but he, I think he steps into a really good situation. I want to get your uh, feel for it, Kip, just with the Dolphins, with Sony getting a chance. Uh, you know, he's got two Super Bowl wins under his belt. Um, but, you know, really hasn't had the career I don't think most people expected as far as being a first-round pick and being one of the top running backs off the board. Um, what do you think about his fit with the Dolphins and maybe what he's able to do down there? Yeah, I think, it, you know, he's a guy that, you know, has put up almost 400 receiving yards since he's been in the uh, NFL. And you, you look at the, this Miami backfield, it, it, do, it does seem like they have a lot of guys, but not really – that true number one. I mean, Chase Edmonds is a guy that, that's very talented. I think uh, Raheem Mostert, he was uh, you know, very productive in San Francisco trying to get back to that level. Uh, you mentioned Miles Gaskins, uh, Sayon uh, Ahmed. It's, it, these are guys that, you know, probably fit best as a committee right now. And I just think that that's, that's where Sony kind of fits in right now too. I, I think he's been solid, not spectacular. Uh, you, you know, hasn't really been able to get back to the that pre-injury speed uh, that he had for Georgia. But at the same time, I mean, he's a guy with experience, but at, and it, it seems like he still has, you know, some tread left on the tires of running backs. That's a position that, you know, three, three, four years in the league, that's kind of the average, uh, you know, how long you last. If he can stay healthy, I think he can be very productive. And I think Miami's definitely making sure uh, – they know what they have at quarterback this year in Tua because they've they've gotten a lot of weapons put around them right now. I think it's kind of one of those key years for for that franchise to seeing is this our quarterback or you know do we need to go in another direction? And I think that's something that will be very interesting in, in spring camp. But for Sony, I think it's definitely a situation where he can come out of that group, you know, being RB one, RB two, and and still stay healthy. He can set himself up for you know another big paycheck. Getting that third contract as a running back is pretty rare in the NFL these days. Absolutely, and somebody mentioned this on our board even before Sony signed. A lot of Bulldogs down there in Miami. Solomon Kinley, uh, Channing Tindall just got drafted down there, so Sony joins them and gets to go back to his home state. So I'm sure that was probably pretty appealing uh, as well. Uh, so some of the other stuff I want to talk about today, Kip. I wrote about, I think it was on Monday, talking about looking at this true freshman class. Obviously, we saw a lot of these guys during spring. There were, I think, something like 18 early enrollees had a chance to come in, kind of get their feet wet, kind of learn what it takes to play and what the expectations are at Georgia. But I kind of wanted to sit back and say, hey, don't forget, there's more talent coming. There's a lot of really talented guys. I think it's 11 that'll be joining the team this summer. Two of those guys, Marvin Jones Jr. and Jaheen Singletary, that's two five stars. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about the talent that they're going to be adding this summer. If there's guys from this group that really stand out to you, I can kind of start and just say Marvin Jones. I mean, when you look at a guy with his kind of talent, the the ability to rush the passer, I mean, uh, it's really interesting, and obviously we'll see how they fit into the mix and how quickly they can kind of hit the ground running. Um, but what do you think about some of these guys that are going to be joining, um, you know, and, and not much longer uh, they'll be uh, in Athens and um, and what they can bring to the table? 
Yeah, I mean, you look at these 11 guys, I think uh, with just these guys, you put them in a class calculator, you probably got a top 20 class in the country. It's just an incredible group. And I think, I mean, obviously you look at the the running back position, That that's something that everyone kind of is looking at. Kenny McIntosh, is, can Kendall Milton stay healthy the entire season? There is not a guy that for sure is is known as that lead back for Georgia. I mean, they've been rotating at that position for a couple of years now, but still, you know, you had those guys, you know, who you knew would be good for a thousand yards and, and then usually multiple guys uh, in Georgia's backfield who you knew would be good for a thousand yards rushing. And, and right now you're kind of just looking at the group and wondering which one of these guys can be that guy. I think, I mean, Branson Robinson, just, just the way that he's built, uh, it screams uh, workhorse back, a guy that you can give 150, 200 carries, and, and he would get just stronger as the game goes on. And, and it's kind of just similar to Kendall Milton. When you're a back that size and you have that kind of running style, it's really about you either have to be able to make guys miss or you got to be able to run through tackles and stay healthy. And and if Branson Robinson can come in and, and pick up, uh, you know, the the pass blocking obviously is going to be a key there but if he can come in and show that he can be healthy and 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 break tackles i think he's a guy that can move into that rotation early on and and maybe make some noise uh you know uh, late in the season when they're really trying to wear down opponents so and that's obviously a guy i look at as you know maybe not talked about as much as the other guys in this class but Georgia's offense is, is never going to be one that abandons the run game. And I think he's just a guy that can that really make a big impact in that area. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we've seen over the years that Georgia is not afraid to get a lot of different backs work. And obviously, if they're able to win games and put opponents away relatively quickly, you'll get some of those younger guys some valuable carries. And I think that that uh, can be really valuable in the long run and, and can mean a lot for those guys as they look in time to grow their roles a lot of guys from this group the guy that i actually wrote about earlier this week that i'm just really intrigued to see how he fits in that's darris smith i mean he's a guy from baxley georgia uh, 6'6 225 and is just blistering right now on the track uh, you had written i think that was like mid-march he had set a new pr in the 200 came back this week and and re you know broke the record his own personal record uh, in sectionals he's getting ready to go to Carrollton. Uh, on Friday and Saturday go compete for a state title but I mean this guy can move and, and to see a guy with this kind of athleticism and to see what he brings to the table yeah I think it's just really interesting I think sometimes you know we kind of get caught up with who's considered you know sort of the top of the class some of those five stars and, and those high four stars and Darius Smith is a four star too and just the, the amount of talent he's got even, you know, playing somewhere like Appling County, we may not be talking a whole lot about them in the state of Georgia. Um, but I think this is a really talented guy. I think uh, it's going to be really interesting just to see once he gets to Athens, just how he fits in, uh, sort of where they see him being most effective, whether it's at defensive end, maybe standing up at outside linebacker. Uh, I'm really in interested just to see where he kind of fits in and, and what Georgia is able to do to get the most out of him. Yeah, I mean, you just look back at Leonard Floyd, just another uh, guy that, you know, didn't get a lot of press, didn't talk a lot, came in uh, just really thin, but had that frame and that athleticism. Just, you know, when you when you have guys that are 6'5 and, and over 200 pounds who can put up track times, uh, you know that's something to watch. And I just think it's, it's kind of that similar uh, – uh, 
projection there. Uh, a guy that, you know, can rush the passer, but also is athletic enough to be used in coverage. And I think Georgia loves to the, take a, a guy that maybe he's playing a lot of the jack position, but then you kind of move him over into a, a hybrid uh, nickel role. And, and they use that a lot. I mean, uh, we talk about the star position at Georgia and we think about DBs, but over the years, they've, I mean, whether it's Lorenzo Carter, again, Leonard uh, Floyd, they've put their pass rushers in that role as well, just to confuse defenses. And I think that he definitely has that ability, that athleticism to to be able to to get back in coverage or rush the quarterback. It's really just like with Adam Anderson, it's, it's, it's going to be about how well he's able to, to add weight and, and add strength because if you can't set the edge, uh, and Georgia's defense, you're not going to get a lot of playing time. So you got to kind of be that complete package if you want to have that Leonard Floyd role. That's why he was a top 10 pick coming out of uh, college. And I think that that's why you look at Darius Smith as a guy that outside the top 150 in the 24-7 sports composite that fits that sleeper role for, for Georgia's class when you have a top five class. He's the kind of guy that if you hit on can make this class truly special. A wealth of talent in that 2022 class, but Georgia is always looking to add to it. We're going to talk a little bit more about that, looking at the 2023 class here uh, in a few seconds. Uh, but first, we're going to take a break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back, everybody. Well, yeah, let's jump right into it, Kip, looking at 2023. Obviously, that's going to be the focus for Georgia right now, specifically summertime. Obviously, the coaches are back on the recruiting trail. We're getting to hear about some of these recruits and some of the prospects they're looking at. Let's sort of just look at where the class stands right now. Uh, Georgia has the third overall class uh, as it stands, nine commits. Seven of those guys are four stars. A uh, lot of talent, but obviously they're looking at uh, some big guys to try to add to it. Most notably, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's probably a surprise. 18 minutes in, we're just now mentioning the name Arch Manning. That may be a new personal best. Uh, yeah. But but obviously a lot of guys they're still looking at. But what do you think of where this class stands right now and what particularly stands out to you? Well, I mean, I think on this pod every year in the spring, there's always that uh, – shouldn't Georgia be doing better in recruiting? Why isn't this class up to the standards? And then, you know, once the fall, the season comes and uh, they get guys on campus uh, during the season, I think everything kind of changes and go, okay, I'm not sure why I was worried. And right now Georgia's got the number three class in the country, but still coming off that national championship, 
you know, the, some fans are wondering where's the buzz and, and why aren't more guys uh, committing to Georgia after they've, you know, checked all the boxes that, that, you know, other schools recruiting against Georgia would say about them. I really see it as Georgia is in on guys who have, di- who have different timelines than maybe fans do. Uh, some of these five stars and top 50 prospects, you know, they're not deciding before May. They never, they never do in any cycle. So that's usually what results in Georgia, you know, on the surface looking like they're recruiting a little slow, but at the same time, they have a you know, number three class right now. And, it's a little different than most cycles because Rusty and I would always say that that Georgia wants to get guys on campus towards the end of the season, usually after the season. If they had like a recruiting uh, big weekend, usually the week after the SEC championship game in December, try to get as close to that early signing period as possible. And, uh, you know, things have changed uh, the last two years now. June is actually really important in recruiting for Georgia. And you could already tell, you look at the guys that have already set official visits for Georgia. That first weekend in June, you got five-star safety Caleb Downs, a huge target for Georgia, the number one prospect in the state of Georgia. They're battling Ohio State for him. Alabama's in the mix as well. That's going to be a big weekend because they're, I mean, they're going to bring in a lot of their commits that weekend. I know Gabe Harris from Valdosta, the edge is going to be in that weekend. Um, and Justice Haynes, the the big time running back, just transferred from Blessed Trinity to Buford, uh, the number three running back in the country. This is a big running back cycle for Dale McGee. He's in with, with some elite recruits and, and getting him on campus that first weekend in June is going to be big for Georgia. And, and yeah, I mean, you mentioned Arch Manning. It, it, he's probably going to make a couple more visits. He said that's his goal. So Texas, Alabama, you know, Georgia, LSU, they're going to get, uh, you know, Arch on campus again. And right now it kind of seems like Texas and Georgia have emerged as kind of the front runners, but he's still taking these visits, which tells me that, there's still a decision to be made there. So you might read somewhere, Texas feels good. Georgia, like we said, we we felt that uh, they would be in it until the end, and it looks like they will be. You know, the other quarterback dominoes are starting to fall, and it looks like, I mean, Georgia's all in an Arch Manning, and I think, you know, they have a very good chance of landing him. But that visit, whether it comes here at the end of May, whether it comes early June, it's going to be a big one. A lot of wide receivers, you know, that Brian McClendon are recruiting are probably watching and waiting to see what Arch Manning does. Yeah, I kind of wanted to talk about that. And first, I wanted to make sure and throw out what Rusty reported. I think that was yesterday, but he said right now it sounds pretty solid that Arch Manning will take official visits to Georgia and Texas in June at some point. Uh, like you said, and what other reports have sort of pointed to, it seems like the Bulldogs and the Longhorns are sort of in the lead for Arch. Um, but it seems like, you know, he's still kind of feeling it out. And, and obviously, with Arch and everybody else that goes through this process, there's really no need to rush it. I mean, that those guys, especially those five-star, four-star guys, are going to have their pick of, you know, where they want to go to school. They'll have a chance to kind of look things over and, and see what makes the most sense to them. Um, you know, like you said, Kip, it seems like Georgia is in a very good spot. Obviously, it's a long way from saying one way or the other where Arch winds up going. But I think there will be a domino effect wherever Arch winds up committing, whether that's Arch commits to Georgia and receivers that see Arch as, you know, being that number one recruit in the entire class decide that they want to come to Athens as well. Or in the event that Arch doesn't come to Georgia, it's going to be very interesting just to see what the quarterback 
uh, sort of chase or the pursuit by Georgia looks like because we're starting to see this time of year uh, guys that uh, perhaps would have been on Georgia's radar are committing to other schools. I saw last night that Ohio State picked up a highly touted quarterback. Um, that's sort of the time of year. Um, again, I think that speaks to what you had said a few minutes ago about where Georgia feels like it is with Arch, knowing that you know, they, they like where they stand. I think that nothing has really been assured as far as you know, oh, he's 100% going to be a Georgia Bulldog. But they understand the talent. They understand what he is capable of doing if he decides to come to Georgia. Uh, so I'm really interested just to see either way it plays out. There will be a domino effect, but it's just really hard to say which way it'll break, uh, just given with the, the fact that it's still a very uncertain recruitment right now. Yeah, and I think it just it says a lot uh, about Georgia that that's where they are. I mean, again, the number one prospect in the country at the quarterback position, Arch can go wherever he feels like. I don't think there's a program that would tell him no. And a lot of discussion about Georgia at the quarterback position and, you know, just seeing Stetson Bennett lead them to a national championship. Uh, they've obviously sold Arch on the fact that he's going to have an opportunity after this season to come in and compete with Gunnar Stockton and Brock Vandegrift uh, for that starting position. And I think it just it kind of says a lot about uh, Todd Monken and, and Buster Faulkner and that, and that coaching staff that whatever they're saying to, to Arch and his family, if there's a family that knows about the quarterback position, it's probably that family. So whatever George is saying, sounds like it's, it's going pretty well with that family. So if there's anything to kind of be taken from that, it's that, uh, you know, Georgia fans, I, I don't think that, Georgia's passing game, uh, you know, we've seen the best of it. And I think the arrow is still pointed up. Otherwise, Arch Manning isn't looking at your program, um, you know, regardless of what happened on the on the field last year. So I, I think that says a lot just about, you know, maybe where this program is headed and the fact that, you know, they still haven't reached their potential on offense. But the fact that recruits think that uh, they can be the, that guy that, that kind of takes them to that to that place where Georgia is just throwing up big numbers in the passing game and whether or not that leads to more wins or more success uh, it, that remains to be seen, but it's pro it's obviously something that, that Georgia fans have, have wanted to see. And, and a lot of wide receivers in this recruiting class uh, want to see what Arch does. And I think that will play a big role in kind of where this program, this offense is headed over the next couple of years. Yeah, the potential of that quarterback room, when you think about Carson Beck, you think about Arch, you think about Brock, you think about Gunner, I mean, that, that's a lot of talent in one room, and obviously, you know, if, if it comes to pass that way, you don't know if uh, the room will stay quite that big. We've seen quarterbacks obviously move on and, and look for a chance to start. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential, and again, to the point you made, Kip, uh, I'm sure that, that the Mannings weren't caught up on, you know, any kind of talk about Georgia, you know, not being able to win it. Uh, but – the benefit from having done it means that's not even going to be part that can't be part of the conversation for with Arch Manning or anybody else. That's sort of a negative recruiting or, or way to kind of put a, one program over Georgia. It's not there anymore. And, and that's sort of the benefit of Georgia having finally done it. And uh, I, I think that that has to resonate at, at, in some sense. Uh, when you look at some of these big prospects, because these guys want to win, they want to go to the NFL and uh, obviously Georgia has proven in the last, I guess, what, three, four, five months that they can do both those things. Yeah, and it, I mean, just taking that to the other aspect of it, 
Arch Manning is not a finished product. And I think that he would tell you and anyone in his family would tell you there's, there's still development. He's not going to come in and, and just be Peyton. You know, he's not going to come in and be Eli. He's going to come in, you know, as Arch Manning, as a guy who still has a ways to go. Those guys did not come in and just, you know, they, they didn't blow the doors off people. And I, I remember, you know, early on Peyton's career, uh, turnovers, interceptions were a real issue with him early on. And obviously uh, he got a little bit better in that, in that aspect and, and became, uh, you know, one of the top two or three quarterbacks uh, of all time in the NFL. So I think that aspect is, is something that maybe a lot of people aren't talking about that should, that Todd Monken and Buster Faulkner, whatever they're saying, uh, that family likes what they're saying about developing Arch as a quarterback at Georgia, which again is one of the few question marks still remaining with this program, I guess, at least from the fan side is, and, and from the media aspect is, uh, can Kirby Smart have a quarterback, an elite quarterback come in and, and get developed and, and get drafted? And uh, it sounds like they're telling them that, uh, you know, they have that capability and the Arch and his family like what they're hearing. And I just think that's just something that kind of isn't being discussed a lot in this recruitment and just overall for Georgia that uh, it sounds like, you know, the elite quarterback family, you know, in the game of football likes what Georgia is selling them on development at the quarterback position. And uh, that's probably means that, that Georgia's doing something right in that area. Want to shout out a few of these 2023 commits for Georgia. We had mentioned a few of them. Gabe Harris, I think he's a really talented guy out of Valdosta. I think he is someone that we'll be talking a lot about in the years to come. And then Pierce Sperlin, tied in 6'6", 220. I mean, it's just more a tied in upon tied in upon tied in. Todd Hartley has been working incredibly hard, and they went down to Santa Rosa Beach in Florida to get Pierce, and I think that'd be another big pickup for Georgia. Um, anyone else we haven't talked about in this 2023 class so far um, that sort of stands out to you? Well, uh, I mean, you mentioned Pierce Berlin and, and Lawson Lucky. Obviously, Todd, Todd Hartley is is you know recruiting lights out for for any cycle. That that room is stacked as any room could possibly be right now. And he's still not done. He's still recruiting Deuce Robinson, the number one tight end in the country out of Phoenix, Arizona. He's seen him already, I think once or twice during this uh, May evaluation period. And that's a guy that's probably going to come back on campus and give Georgia an official visit. You know, even with two, two guys committed in the tight end room, the number one tight end in the country is still giving Georgia a serious look. I know USC's involved there a lot and the Trojans are, are probably a team to watch in his recruitment, but I, you know, I would not bet against Todd Hartley in recruiting a tight end. He's got that, you know, benefit of the doubt uh, at his position room. But uh, looking at the group of commitments right now, I mean, I'll, I'll go with the easy one at the top, and and that's Bo Hewley. Uh, you've got an offensive line coach change that was, uh, you know, came out a little bit out of left field with with Matt Luke stepping down. And now Stacy Serrell steps in there. This is a key class for Georgia on the offensive line, especially at offensive tackle. Uh, they need to continue to bring in talented guys because you've got guys that are going to be going to NFL soon. I mean, whether, you know, Warren McClendon, this is probably his last year at Georgia. Broderick Jones, if he has a big year, I mean, it, you know, who knows uh, what could happen with him as well. You just got a Mary Smith's back out of the transfer portal. But again, 
you still need to continue to stockpile that that room and that position. And the rest of the SEC in the country, when they saw Matt Luke step down, I mean, they all made sure that they contacted Bill Hewley immediately. He's 6'7", 290 pounds out of Langston Hughes High School. He's one of those guys that could play left tackle, you know, rare uh, athleticism and size. And so that's definitely someone that, that Stacey Searles is wanting to keep in the fold. And it, it seems like he's done a pretty good job in that aspect right now. I, I like where Georgia stands with Bo. Obviously being verbally committed is a positive, but even still, uh, I think right now that they have got a great chance to keep him in the class. And, and then that's a huge win. Uh, I think Matt Luke had to do something similar when he, when he came in, when, when, uh, you know, Sam Pittman went to Arkansas. He had to keep Broderick Jones in the fold. You know, he had to keep Cedric Van Pran in the fold, uh, and, and he was able to do so. And I like what Stacey Searles has done so far, being able to keep uh, his offensive line commitments uh, in the fold as well because they're both guys, him and, and Ryquiz McElroy, are guys that can really come in and, and get into that too deep, maybe not in year one, but definitely in year two. Yeah, a lot of talent so far that they've put together in this 2023 class. They no doubt are going to add to it. And we're going to be all over it when they are able to add guys and we'll be able to break down uh, the new additions and sort of how the class is shaping up. Uh, before we get out of here, i got to do my men's basketball minute. I've had a lot of people on the board asking me just with the way the roster looks right now for Mike White. What's sort of next as it stands? Georgia has two open scholarships. Uh, what I've been told is they're not done looking at the portal. Um, I think that they're still looking for a little bit more experience. I think they're really going to go guard heavy, which we've seen so far with the additions they've had. A name that I'll throw out there that I'm going to write a little bit more about in Wednesday's mailbag is Rondell Walker, a guard from Oklahoma State. This is, would be another guy that has the connection to Eric Pastrana, the assistant coach they already got. Uh, Matthew Alexander Moncrief, who is a really talented forward, uh, he committed a few weeks ago. Um, so I don't think they're done. I think they're continuing to add to this team. From what I've seen so far, it really feels like that Georgia kind of wants to lean on the way Mike White played uh, at Louisiana Tech. I mean, really using athleticism and speed and, and maybe playing smaller lineups, really leaning on their guards uh, to make a lot of plays. And I see, you know, that there is some potential there. It'll be really interesting to see if they're able to add anyone else to this team. I know there's been some, you know, rumors, some consideration if they might get someone to reclassify to come up. I don't know. I haven't heard anything, uh, you know, about if that's actually going to happen. But they're looking to add experience. I think they've done a pretty solid job with some of the guys they've added. And I've had a chance to watch several of them and, and written about them. Um, but I think they are they are at a pretty good spot right now, but I don't think they're quite done. Uh, so that'll be something to follow as we go through the rest of the summer. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would say that what get. Mike White's getting getting uh, some recruiting coverage at, at Dogs Two Four Seven that that we haven't seen before. I remember you know, even when Anthony Edwards. Uh, committed the buzz was was just not at this level so uh and you know having you on board has been a big time get for the junkyard another love in that but uh yeah i really like the way he's he's building this roster out and as you said uh, what he did at louisiana tech that's that's what got him uh you know his his arrow pointed up in the as far as the coaching circle as being one of the up-and-comers and if he can get back to that uh, i think georgia fans would be thrilled uh with the results 
It'll be something to follow, and we're going to do that, and we're going to make sure to, to be on top of all that, along with all the other news. I know it's summer, but it's going to be uh, busy, and there's still going to be plenty to talk about. But uh, we're going to wrap it up there for this episode. Thanks to Kip for taking time to, to hop on and talk. Thanks for everybody uh, listening, watching. Make sure and subscribe and rate and, and let us know uh, what you think. Uh, but we're going to get out of here on that. For Kip Adams, I'm Jordan Hill. Until next time, take care. Yeah.